Jason. Sean Windsor. And I have a message for everyone in the NFL. Spider-Man standing on the seat with his helmet way down low. Ain't no sound but the sound to clean. The lines began to roar. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Come and watch the Detroit line that no one seems to be. Another one bites the dust. Hey kids, it's your old pal, ML Elric, here to say, with a heavy heart, I told you so. Sean Windsor, who's dialing in, he's graciously volunteered to be our told us so what our guest and mark is here to uh to defend uh, the wolverines uh as usual so that's it's a pretty familiar scene here but sean and mark complicit in this wanted to just elevate the lions and talk about the lions and it's a different season and i i warned everybody i said be careful it's too soon and and the Windsor and four what are you talking about the windsor curse they have eked out a win almost every single week since then because Sean put the whammy on him. He hexed our beloved Detroit Lions. Our. They're in Detroit, so I guess I got to take some ownership. Well, we should bring in our guest today, Sean Windsor. Oh, yeah. uh, Zooming in from an undisclosed location. (laughs) um, Too busy to really, you know, hang out with his co-hosts and Partners and friends. Get a smirk. Oh, no. oh now, I, now, I'm a, now I'm a co-host and a partner. Okay. Our, our valued. Okay. Our valued I colleague. The, I see how this. I see how this works. How the heck did I hex anything? You wanted they, to just. Got off to a good. You were all excited about the Lions, and it was. Everyone's no, ex- I, everyone's I was, still excited. Uh, it's not that I was excited about the Lions as a fan. I was excited about. Um, I thought it was great that how they were winning and what they were doing and how it was making people feel, you know, the kind of people that, uh, the, the people that we live with, Mike, the people that we work with, the people that uh, are in this community, so to speak. Right. I, I felt, I felt good for them. The people like Mark. Yeah. I'm, fan. St- I'm still excited about the lions. Yeah. That's all it was. That's all it was. It's uh, you, you try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. You know what I mean? As a journalist, like that opening song. I remember that opening song from when I was five years old. I used to play it. All the time. We had the 45. We used to play it over and over and over. Love that song. When, when Billy Sims was uh, Oh, my God. I love running, Billy Sims. Free. Doug English. I love those guys. Billy Sims was an incredible running back. He just went over guys. He went through them. He was power, man. He was... Every time he was out there, his jersey, when he, would, when he played for Oklahoma, would get ripped because mm-hmm. the best they could do is try and grab his tail, and it just wasn't enough. But I have so, two copies of that So are you saying 45. it's over, Mike? Are you saying it's over? Jump off the bandwagon, they're done? No, no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, some people hate to say I told you so. I kind of love it. For and what? So I'm, because I, to, because I referenced this 45 bag. They said last time people got this excited about the Lions – they had a great start and then they 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 went off the cliff. It was it was a disaster after that. That team I think ended up was it like nine and seven after starting seven and two or something ridiculous. It was just crazy. But uh, but Sean 
was following the Lions on the road this week. So I guess we can be grateful to the Lions for taking Sean out of our jurisdiction for a little while. And, um, and he was spared a trip to Nebraska to watch the Spartans once again gack. And he luckily wasn't around the Michigan basketball program, so he didn't get punched in the face by the coach who may or may not have assaulted somebody else. But we have a lot to talk about today. We're calling this episode True Stories because we're telling you some crazy stories that are true and some that maybe aren't true or haven't been proven yet. And I, I have a, Sean has to go, so I may wait till Sean goes. I have a, a new Kwame Kilpatrick story that I just Ooh. ran across, an incredible story that uh, allowed me to reconnect with a couple of old friends of mine, Steve Wilson and Scott Lewis. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then we also, we also want to tell you uh, and encourage you, at least I want to encourage you, to participate in Whamageddon, which we'll tell you all about uh, a little later in the show, and we'll also tell you how you can prepare for your future by giving our friend Luke Nowacki a phone call at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, because his job is to take some of those big decisions off of your shoulders, to try and help you get on a path to a secure retirement, to help you manage your money in a logical, analytical, and meaningful way so that you can just earn it and he can help you figure out how to make it grow. So we'll tell you a little later on how you can connect with Luke and his team at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies, who I'm told was at Killer's Christmas last was, Friday at yeah. the Lodge. I did not see him. I saw Steve Gabar. I saw Christine Gennari. I saw uh, Eli. I saw a bunch of guys. It was a great night together. Mark was behind the bar. I was behind the bar for a while. We raised $142,000 for children's charities, and as Sean will point out, oh, so you raised 142000 anybody help you with it? A lot of people that I may have actually kept us from raising more because people left when I got there. But Matt Riley and his team at Killer's Cares honoring Tom Kowalski in the best way possible by taking something he started, growing it, expanding it, growing it in terms of money they raise, expanding it in terms of number of causes they help, and everybody who came out there and said, hi, thank you very much. It was great to see you in person. And for some people like, I didn't get to order the merch. In January, we will have a pretty much available on-demand shop opening up. So we, I, I got to say, working behind the bar um, gives you a new appreciation for going to a bar. You know, when people are at a bar and they get really mad because it's taking forever, you know, trying yeah. to get through people to buy, get a drink or whatever. I work on the other side of it because it's fucking overwhelming, man. Well, I don't know when you took your shift, but I was back there with TJ Lang and trying to get it's around that guy. Yeah, you can tell how he was an all pro because you know, I, and I, I, Eddie Mio, the old Red Wings goalie, was there too. And I said to Eddie, I said, you know, we need more hockey players back here. We got one football guy back here, and you can't get anywhere. He's like the size of two Eddie Mios. Too. Yeah, you he, don't realize how tall how tall these offensive linemen are until you see them. Well, that, that was the other thing when I was thinking about him. You know, he has a huge center of gravity. The guy has got to be 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. How the hell did he just not get rocked off his feet? But he's he's a big boy. When he turns sideways, he's pretty much going wall to wall. He's a, a large man. Yeah, it's a good night. Overwhelming, though, working that bar. It uh, And some people seemed a little overwhelmed because of the libations. I saw Teebs there with his Iserplan jersey. <laughs> so great. And... Uh, he was uh, very adamant about some uh, some requests for some marketing opportunities. I think he may have, and this is this I think is a legally binding oral contract. He told me something about 
ordering a thousand Soul of Detroit koozies if we make them. So I don't, I don't know if you remember that, Teebs, but I got you down for a thousand. I doesn't. I think that's half a gross. I have to check with our suppliers. But, Sean, why are you limited on time today? Well, I'm uh, I'm writing for the the free press, mm. and then I've got to get on the road, get back to Chicago, and catch a flight back mm. home. Okay. So, oh, you're yeah, in Chicago just, still? Just, I'm not actually in Chicago. Oh. I'm in Cham- I'm in Champaign, Illinois. It's a very fancy looking hotel room, too. By the way, yeah, it's just a little, a little. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? It's I, I don't need a fancy place. <laughs> by the way, I love I, I love as usual the preemption, the preemptive uh, strikes from Mister Elric. You know, it, the it's like a combination of projection, and then preemption. You know what I mean? He just assumes what I'm going to say, and he says it before, you know, whether I'm going to actually ever say anything or not. It's a, it's a nice tactic. <laughs> I'm just disappointed because, and, and people don't know this, I, I don't want to take you too far behind the scenes on the show. If you really want to know what goes on behind the curtain, you're going to have to sign up to be a Patreon subscriber, which we will be rolling out early next year. But Sean was our employee of the month last month. He was our employee of the month for November. And he was surprised, and he was touched, and I swear his eyes welled up a little bit. But once he gets that award, he just starts dialing in. He's like, "I guess that's it. I'm done." He's like, Wait, uh, "I was." He's like Jordan hitting that shot and then retiring. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this. I didn't yeah, know we. About this. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The free press is getting in the way of this a little bit today. I, I do do my best. You know, it's like when you go up to Mackinac. The, the uh, the politics call or whatever your other life calls right no it's true but and and again I don't I don't want to get or, too or deep in Shetland to bus around and watch them filming a TV show I mean I guess sure sure I don't I don't want to or or to grab a couple of pints at the lodge bar I I don't want to take people too deep into how the show works but we've been around now for over two hundred and thirty episodes. There's only three of us, really, and and Joe when he was here, and we try and rotate this employee of the month thing. (laughs) You know, I don't want anybody to feel bad about themselves, but Sean finally got it, so it's kind of Mark and I. I've never never been one before. He wasn't aware of this, so when we awarded to him, he's like, this is great. Is this a new thing we're doing? Like, "Uh, yeah, it's kind of something we're just kind of starting. But uh, (laughs) our deadline. No, no, no. Let me me, tell you, I went to Chicago. Can I tell you why I went to Chicago? And you're going to anyway. Yeah, we have no choice. You're probably going to think, uh, oh, okay, for the Lions-Bears. Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, they did play at Soldier Field. The Lions lost. But I went there to Another hang one bites out. the dust. I w- What's that? I said another one bites the dust. No, no, no. I went there because the Lions fans, as Mark will tell you, I don't think Mike knows this, have taken over stadiums all over the country. Yeah, they look fall. like they did it again this past Sunday. They did. They did. They did just they didn't have the finish, so it didn't kind of coalesce like it like it has. I mean, shoot, they went down to New Orleans and yeah, and and went crazy. And that's they they have a great fan base. I, I don't know if I told you guys this when I was in Tampa when they played. I don't know six eight weeks ago, whenever that was. At the end of the game, the press elevator out of the press box was broken, so we had to walk down, you know, those circular kind of concrete Mm -hmm. spirals that you go down in those 70s-style stadiums. And I was surrounded by the thousands of Lions fans, and they were all singing and chanting and hollering. And I mean, it was just just quite the scene. So I saw that in Kansas City, saw it in Tampa, saw it in L.A. And L.A. doesn't surprise you as much. The fan base is weak, and there's so many expats out there anyway. But we thought, all right, Chicago's our last best chance to go capture some of this. And sure enough, there were Lions fans everywhere. And it started off Saturday night in the bars. I was in a, in a place called the Weber, uh, the Weber Restaurant, right? 
the because the home of the Weber Grill is outside in a suburb outside of Chicago. So they built this restaurant and it's full of Lions fans and everybody's singing and chanting in this restaurant. They're taking over downtown Chicago. I'm like, oh, this is great stuff. I get up in the morning, I hang out with tailgaters for several hours. I found out, Mark. You'll, you'll you'll appreciate this. I don't know if Mike will. Maybe we'll see where his humanity well, is. Well, there you are. There you are. Speaking of prejudging, that, that's projection yourself. Oh, no, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I, I kid, I kid. So I'm sitting there talking to a couple of uh, a couple from Detroit, decked out, geared off the chains, the 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 buff sunglasses. It's awesome. This guy works uh, heavy power equipment. He's helping to build the Gordy Howe Bridge. The wife is a cook. A chef and uh so they decide to splurge they're gonna come see a game we're sitting there talking and a couple walks by and bears mm. uh and bear stuff and they start talking trash to each other well it turns out this this guy uh in the bears outfit went to morehouse and he's from chicago went to morehouse uh, down in atlanta it's where he met his wife and his very best friend was from detroit and they had been talking every day basically since they were in their 20s so 30 years ago well he got sick last year with cancer and died and he was telling me this story about how they would be talking today. They'd be sitting together. And he felt like the reason they're winning is because his friend is up in heaven, is looking down and so forth. So I'm collecting all these stories and these generational stories, all this amazing stuff to write about it. But the editor says, and this is a little inside baseball, nobody's going to want to read about that if they lose. And they lost. So I ran up to the press box and uh, caught the game and then wrote two football columns and, and sacked all that other stuff. That's, oh, that's why I was in Chicago. So, Sean, as someone who's from the Detroit area and lived in Chicago, did you find that a lot of these Lions fans were living in Chicago? Because if it seems like everybody between the age of 20 and 30 in Chicago is from somewhere else. <laughs> Des Moines, yeah. From somewhere in Wisconsin, from somewhere in Indiana, is from somewhere in Michigan. You know, there is this huge Michigan contingency in Illinois, and I would wear my Red Wings gear to go see Blackhawk games, and you would get in fights in the parking lot practically because there was such a vociferous rivalry between the two camps. But I wasn't driving from Detroit to go to the United Center to watch the Wings and the Blackhawks. I was driving from Bucktown. I mean, did did you do you think in particular with I, the Chicago the takeover was from people who made the road trip or just pulled their Honolulu blue out of the so, closet? So it was a mix. So I did come across people that live in Chicago that were from Michigan. Because you uh, wouldn't have seen that in New one, Orleans or LA as much, right? Well, I, I wasn't in New or Orleans. Or Kansas City. In LA, there are so many Michiganders out there anyway, right? It's like it's that's part of the reason University of Michigan picked the Rose Bowl. Their biggest mm -hmm. alumni base is out there now a lot of those folks are not you know not from michigan they come to michigan to go to school but i, I think the second the uh, state outside of michigan that has the highest enrollment at u of m is california now yeah the, and really? that's fairly new right. so used, i thought it used, it used to, to be, be new york, york. it used to be yeah okay. but now it did it's california it did, but california so just think about it yeah, yes you're pointed but yes it's absolutely true about chicago but michiganders are everywhere and and i did meet some of those folks that live in chicago i met folks obviously that came from detroit and then I, I, it's fun. I met one group that was had a pickup truck with a Lions flag flying fifteen up off a of, uh, fifteen feet up off a pole, and there were six or seven of them. And one guy had flown in from Colorado, Boulder. He brought the flag. Another guy drove from Mount Pleasant. A couple other guys from the <laughs> suburbs. One guy from South Bend. Several of them had met at Central, and they were all from various points of Michigan, and they all convened from all over the place. So I've seen that too. 
where you just kind of convene it. And they'd not done this before, but because this season has felt so special, where it heads, who knows? But uh, I just thought that that was great. I may still write this up once Lions fans have settled down a little bit. You know, they didn't want to read that the next day, right? But I may do that later in the week because they're just good stories. And the fact is, no matter what happens from here on out, the last two and a half months have been uh, pretty joyful for uh, hundreds of thousands of people in a way it hadn't been in decades. Sean, that, how, that's, that is a fact. How, right? much does, um, how much does readership change whether or not they win or lose? Oh, or is it pretty much the it same? It goes down. It goes down when they lose, for sure. Oh, it goes Unless down. Unless it's a big game and um you know people want some soothing or they 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 want some counsel or they want to you know they want to gather and sort of share their collective tears that kind of thing really because on this by and large losing you go down when you um on on this end to talk about a game it's 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 way better it's better to talk about them when they lose and what went wrong and everything like that because you know misery almost loves company right you want to talk about what the problems are or you want to no, vent. Sure. You want I mean, to vent, yeah. I remember hearing Doug Karsh say on 97.1 several years ago, and and based on what I'm going to tell you next, you know how long ago this was, that nobody was talking about Spartans football, and they were doing great, but all they wanted to talk about was Michigan football because they were terrible. And Karsh said, well, that's all that anybody's calling about for is when, when a team is doing poorly, people want to talk about it. When they're doing well, it's kind of like, cool great you know and and it was yeah. it it's like this is the public square where people can rend their garments wring their hands and you know cry for change but um well when you expect no, our, when you our expect- readership goes up look our readership this this fall has been crazy with the lines and it's because they're winning well in michigan yes. too i think i think we've we've put a lot of resources into covering michigan not not just the the scandalous stuff, but the success on the field. And have you seen that? That's has, has has that coverage been greater than the than the Spartan coverage? Because certainly, if if bad news drives coverage, the Spartans should be paying all of our no, paychecks the right now. Fan base is the fan base isn't the same. That's that's part of. I mean, Split. Michigan always outperforms. I mean, right? It just it just uh, no. But we have perhaps on the we SAT. Have yeah, we have readers all over the country. Negative. Here's the thing, man. Yes, losing gets a lot of a lot of attention, and whether it's a radio or a newspaper or whatever. But it only it only lasts so long, and then it turns into apathy. And people don't care, and that's kind of what happened with the Spartans, right? People just didn't want to read. Now, maybe maybe they wanted to talk about it, but I didn't hear it on talk radio uh, when I check in from time to time. But at least about the Spartans. So that only that only goes. That only sustains itself for so long. People are only angry for so long, and then they become indifferent. You know, it's yeah. what's happening with the Pistons. Like right now, the Pistons oh, stuff God. is doing really well because people are stunned. <laughs> they knew they weren't going to be very good, but they've lost. They just lost their twentieth in a row last night. <laughs> and as long as that NBA all-time uh, record for losing is out there, then people are going to pay attention because it's kind of become a national story within the NBA of how bad they are and all the dysfunction that's going on. But as soon as they get past that record and we're into January and February or February and they're just bad, people no won't one read. care. They won't. Well, what is that record, by the way, for losses? 20, 28, 27. Oh, shit. In a, in a row. Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're, they're absolutely capable of doing it. I mean, if you look why, at the schedule. But, why are they so bad? 
I mean, they have uh, a lot. Another, of, they have a lot of young talent. Is it? Coaching? That's another. This is another podcast. Okay. Well, they have the highest paid coach in all of the NBA, right? Yeah. So they do. They do. Wins. They do. I, I, you know, if if I may just pivot here for a second, oh. I, 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 I want to tell you guys why you leave, why, sir. why I'm in Champagne. Is that is that all right? Well, I, be, before you do anyway. that, before you tell us about why you're in Champagne, anybody who's listened to the last couple episodes, and we we very much encourage you to do so has got to have one question in their mind that has to be resolved before we go any further. Who had sex in your car? Was it a stranger or a relative? Because every week you bring us hot, some tawdry story about your, your conveyance that somebody no, I, is fornicating I, I, do, I do have another story that involves a, a conveyance <laughs> awesome. and, a, and, and a bear and a butt cheek. But What? But it's okay. not necessarily. There's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. champagne. We'll get it's, back to it's your not pressing ham in uh, your Hyundai. It's, it's not necessarily <laughs> sexual, though. By the way, speaking of high and weed and all that, I saw one of the greatest signs I've ever we seen. We weren't, but go ahead. <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday. I drove. Uh, champagne is a couple hours south of Chicago and out in the, just one of the flattest parts of the country soybean, corn. This time of the year, when there are no crops, you can just see forever. You can just see the silos out and a little stand at. Trees with no leaves in a farmhouse. It's it's got its own kind of rugged, uh, empty beauty to me. Anyway, on this highway, fifty seven is Chicago to Champaign. Champagne is the home of the University of Illinois, one of the better public schools. You know, thanks, Siri. School. I'm wor- I'm working on a project that involves the Big Ten and where to eat, and food, and kind of memories and, and and all that. So there's a sign on fifty seven. I saw this just coming out of Chicago, and then a couple more times it says, "Only ba- only casserole should be baked." Don't drive high. Ah, uh. and I thought, wow, they're using the word "baked." So somebody with the Illinois Department of Transportation <laughs> thought that uh, we should use the word "baked." I, I've never seen anything like that before. Have it's you guys creative. seen something like that? Uh, there, I think there's there's one on uh, like twenty three and ninety four, something about being a little high. I mean, they mentioned being high, which is you know a little unusual but you see buzz too you know yeah 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 but but only a casserole should be baked don't drive up i got your attention it worked when when schaefer was doing his few minutes with and every week he i used to call it geek of the week for another reason but he'd find some unusual person and tell their story i was trying to get him to do the person who writes the m dot electronic billboards because they'd always have stuff like uh don't veer for deer because Jesus is near. Or they, they always tried to have like a funny little play on words that I thought was was uh, was noteworthy because it showed some cleverness, which you're not used to seeing from the Michigan Department of Transportation that seems to put roads under construction just when there's high volume traffic. And he never, you know, like a lot of my advice, he ignored it. But I've seen some of jocularity and roadside signs i mean it, it does make a it's difference fun. because it makes it, it makes yeah. you think and in the there's a little road that goes from muskegon to north muskegon and they have a sign there that said um and i think i remember seeing these when i was a kid it said uh lots of kids are dying for a drink and then there's like a skull and crossbones on it and you're like well i could really use a drink say like, oh wait a minute that's not what they're saying i mean that i i think it's it's good when it's clever, but not so clever that you become a distracted driver. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I so anyway. Is that how that, you end up with your butt cheeks on the window? Well, no. So the butt cheeks are <laughs> okay. You, I don't know. You guys, this is Mike, your second you moved, mooning uh, story in a, yeah, in a row. It, it kind of is. You moved. You it's moved good. around. I don't know how much you moved around, Mark. Speaking of a strange beauty, 
Not a lot. Mike did. I did. I mean, it's military. Not at all. I, I can I first came to this area. There's a town just north of Champaign called Rantoul where there's a was an Air Force base, Chanute Air Force Base, been decommissioned. It's not there anymore. My father was moved there from Germany, was stationed. That's why I ended up with connections here. This is back in the seventies. So when I and then I lived here and went to high middle school and high school here for a while in a little town called Muhammad. And so when, and I don't get back much. And when I, you know, my, I don't have any family here. My dad died here in 93. So what is that? 30 years ago, mm. which is hard to even imagine at this point. But so I get on 57. The minute I get on 57, which isn't very often south of Chicago, you start feeling, you know, right. All this, all these years, all that, that life, that former life. I obviously think a lot about my dad. And so that that's part of it. And I, I, the closer I started getting to little towns where I would run track or play basketball or, or whatever that are outside of Champaign. And you start thinking about all, all the memories and, um, and not to get too sentimental here, but I can remember when I was living in DC and I would come here to visit my, I was living with my mother and I come here to visit my father. Sometimes I'd fly to Chicago or South Bend and my grandmother would drive my brother and I down. And one time she missed it. I was probably 11 and I hadn't seen him in probably close to a year. And she missed the exit. I just fell apart because it was going to mean another 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And it, you know, that doesn't seem like much to us, but when you're little, it's a long time. You haven't seen your parent. Yeah, yeah. no. And so I drove by that exit yesterday and all of a sudden I was 11. Start crying. Again. And no, I didn't, but I was just, I, I remember what the, uh, anyway. So were you baked? You know how sometimes, so, no, it wasn't, but sometimes you okay. take those trips <laughs> So I go by that exit, and then I get by another exit, that, and this is where I'm in high school, and I <laughs> rode with a friend. I don't want to give his last name away. We'll, we'll just call him Craig. We went to a high school football game, and on the way back, uh, there was a fan bus. In those days, you could, you know, the whole town would pile into fan buses, and they'd go. They were mostly students. He wanted to moon the bus on on the highway right so we drive by the bus he rolls the window down he hangs his uh he pulls his pants down hangs his butt out the car <laughs> at 65 miles an hour or whatever and that's fine and this is i was a little uh uh I, look he he didn't think that was enough and he said okay now it's your turn i'm like dude we're driving on a on a freeway this is back in the days of bench seats in the front mm-hmm so we're, we're in an old Nova. So he says, uh, no, we can do this. So we switch drivers while we're on the freeway, which is obviously very idiotic. And we slow down and we let the bus pass. And then I do the same thing. It's the only time I've ever mooned anybody in my life. So we do that. We're laughing. We think, whatever, you know, we're just a couple of immature 16-year-olds trying to have some fun out in the corn and, uh, you know, on a Friday night in October. We get into an exit where Champagne is and where my high school is, and all of a sudden, uh, and we we get off, and then there's somebody following us and flashing <laughs> their lights, and it turns out the bus driver radioed a parent who was what? far behind, who was like part of a part of the principal's office, what? and he followed us into a grocery store parking lot, and started screaming at us and said, you know, so the next the next uh, couple of days we had to go into the principal's office. We both got suspended for a couple of days. I got grounded for a month, and my dad took the car away for a year. What? Did, so did, that you, was, uh, did you insist on an ass lineup so they could identify? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the dumbest the things I ever did. But yeah, no, a, a, a year was a little harsh, right? I mean, but who knows? I might have done, done the same thing if my kids 
My kids have done that. By the way, this more, guy I can't. Later, I gotta I, say, I cannot believe you were suspended for that. If that happened today, first off, it'd be on like I don't know TikTok or Snapchat, and there'd be a lawsuit over it because you weren't on school time, and there'd be a whole thing. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's crazy no, I, how time is. I, I, I times have changed. More. And that guy, that guy too, is a good dude. Ended up managing a grocery store, but I. I I came back during the college years when I was in Texas at that yeah, point. I can't believe family. that guy would do it if the bus phoned me or a radio. No, like, but he uh, is sure. I'm on it. This wink, guy wink. went on to this. This guy went on to lead like these little cultist gatherings under the overpass where people had, what? he'd dress up in a Yoda, Yoda mask and uh, <laughs> Wait, everybody would try to do acid and get high and everything and, and burn, is this burn, Craig? Uh, great fires. What's that? What? Are you talking about Craig now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, no, I was hear these stories, and I come back. You know, it's just yeah. So, so anyway. you don't want to give his last name because you figure that may derail his career managing grocery stores. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't the know running what a cult now. that did acid under underpasses <laughs> in no way is going to threaten <laughs> his future earning prospects. I'm not really I sure. I follow I the logic what, there. I don't know what. He's, yeah, I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's doing now, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no. So that's uh, that's you guys have those moments, right, where you go someplace and you just all triggers the time. all these, yeah, all these kind of memories. Both, you know, good, bad. You know, I mean, I walked out of a place that I'm going to try to write about, a little cafe that was the refuge for me when my dad was in the hospital and dying, and I I hadn't seen that hospital in decades, and I walked out of this cafe and I for and there was a stand of trees and the leaves were down. And I saw this red light through, and it was the top of Carl Hospital, which is the last place I saw him. And I hadn't seen that in probably twenty years, at least. And it 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 jolted me a little bit. You know what I mean? You yeah. just it it was a surprise. I'd gone into this little cafe. They make their own shakes. They have this old school salad bar that I would escape from the hospital, go get something to eat when he was dying. And it was in a weird way nice to be back there. And then I saw that. So just. But then you think about Yoda mess too, so it's all mixed. It's all mixed together. Just the craziness. Do you think it's? Life. Do you think it's? It's more um, dramatic because you haven't been there in a long time. Yeah. No. No. No question. No. No question. Because I can uh, still every time I go through. This is it's totally weird, but every time I go through the drive-through of McDonald's at Woodward and Thirteen Mile, I'm brought back to the day my daughter was born because that was the first place I went in the middle of the night because it was open twenty-four hours to get us food because nothing else was open. So it's like, well, I know that McDonald's, but every time I go through there, I know that feeling of that first day when, when Charlotte was born, it's weird. And I drive by there all the time, but it's only when I go through the drive through. Yeah, no, I, I, I have those kind of memories. I'm sure most of us do. Right. And it's sometimes it's, I mean, the most obvious ones, music, right? You hear a song. Oh God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it transports you, but going back to a place that you haven't been in a while, it, 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 it's amazing the trans the way it transports you. It's when the it's, it's really something. And and you know I'm here because we're doing this project about food and where to eat in a Big Ten and football fans if they want to come to a game here. So I'm trying to set that up, but I am going to include some of my own life and connections. So it's not just a collection of reviews, but stories that are involved. I don't know how much I'll get into the mooning. Yeah, when when there's the Michigan uh, football playoffs. You know, and you read about them, and then there'll be a city. Because I went, my school is pretty small, so we played a lot of small schools around the b southern part of Michigan. I'll see these places that I haven't, you know, I don't think of them, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember playing that school or playing near there, playing there. It's just, it's weird how the, just a name of a city will will bring that back. And I've lived here my whole life. 
Yeah, no, yesterday I went by an apartment that I lived in in the summer with a, one of my longtime best buds. He's in Texas now. And um, we moved there because his family, well, it was mostly my parents were splitting up. My mom, my dad, and my stepmom were splitting up, and it was not a pretty scene. And we needed a, a place. We got this cheap little sublet near the University of Illinois. And, and I saw that, and I remember this. I don't know if I ever told this story on the show, but this is where I met the dealer, Chocolate Chip. It was. Uh, it was. Well, no, no, you have not. But I'm. I'm all well, in. So we're getting a sex and drug story from Sean. This is a bonus episode. Was, we should be charging that for this. Was, that was, no, and, and my buddy Andy and I uh, had this. You know, back in those days, it wasn't legal. And when he wanted to go, we get, we got our weed from a from a guy who called who called himself Chocolate Chip, and um, I don't know. We don't. We don't need to go into all that right now. We, we'll we'll save some of that. Was he later, black? But, uh, yes. How did I guess? <laughs> was his well, was his given name Charles? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how much uh, imagination went into this nickname? He may be very easy to uh, figure out who he is. But but to but to your point, uh, to Mike, and you'll like this. Wait, don't try and drag about. the story back to me. I want no, no. responsibility. No, for this. but just thinking about music in that apartment, and there was a there was a gal that we kind of you know. Hung out for a little bit. She was really cool. I don't hung out. It sounded like passed around. What are you trying to well, say? Well, no, 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 no. She was hung out. Anyway, I, I remember going to this. Weed this uh, and your bare I remember cheeks. going to this uh, dance <laughs> back at, at some, I don't know, city building, and they were playing the Violent Femmes. It was a Violent Femme cover band, maybe, or something. But did you ever like the Violent Femmes? Because I was thinking about you yesterday when yeah. I my one brain album. got to that dance and I driving around. And I we've never talked about the Violent Femmes. I don't know if you like that kind of new stuff. Yeah, I went to go see him at Meadowbrook, and and I, I've always felt like I missed my opportunity to be in a band, and I blame myself for not taking the lesson from Gordon Gano from the Violent Femmes. Is if you can't sing and you can't play an instrument, you can still make very very good music. It's sort of an amazing thing when you first heard him. You're like, this guy is utterly untalented but i can't stop listening it's some of the best music ever they Your they voice man yeah it just gives you license to uh to do your thing i mean it's pretty pretty wild so sean yeah. um that's uh that's quite a trip there you packed a lot into that uh that uh sojourn to illinois for a sad story for the lions but then a little a little reminiscing with <laughs> um with some uh ham and chocolate chips yeah there yeah. you go yeah, ham and chocolate chips. And I am going to get to that for our listeners. I, I am going to try to write that story about the Lions fans and kind of take it over Soldier Field. A, a sad ending, but still, for for Saturday night and, you know, four or five hours Sunday morning or six, seven hours before the before the end of the game, they were they were uh, feeling something they haven't felt in a long, long time, like they have all fall in these cities. So I, I think that's worth trying to capture. Hey, are there deadlines still in uh, newspaper writing? I mean, are they different now since everything's immediate and constantly published? Uh, no, the print deadlines are still the same, more or less. We have well, digital deadlines that are, and they're not hard and fast, but they kind of are, you know. So if you have to, like right now, I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish something up, but that that may go digital. We'll see. But the, you have to file at the end of the game in a way you didn't used to have to because you had time for the print deadline now mm -hmm. they just want to the deadline right away because they want it up yeah they want it up right away yeah yeah so for first seo first person up on stuff kind of owns the story you know like if you get it up immediately 
then Google search will keep bringing people back to your story, you know. So, so it's very important to be the first person to really? file. Oh man! But then the, the you know so the print deadlines. I mean, how many probably don't have a ton of people who, who subscribe to the newspaper, but how many times do you pick up the story, the, the paper, and it says uh, this game ended too late for the final score? Yeah. Please check our website. The the way it, it used to work is. And Sean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the beat writers would write sort of a placeholder where it might be um, yes, a feature about that? some guy, like maybe the backup catcher went to a children's hospital or he just got a new mitt. And it would be something that would go in the early edition that you'd get in the UP and up north. And then we'd have editions that roll throughout the night. And so if you were in the city of Detroit, you might get news that was fresh up to like two in the morning. Uh, and they would just redo the paper. They'd 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 reset it and oh. and put a new plate on there. And they were, it even got to a point where the very very last edition they would change it when they put the last roll of paper on the printing press because if they stop the presses to change the plate, it puts them behind. It costs some money. But if they're going to change the roll on the printing press anyway, they could put a new plate up and start printing a new front page or new inside page, and that would happen all the time. Now those features that were placeholders, you might that may be the only thing you see. And then game coverage. I mean, I, I read the paper where it's like through two periods, the Red Wings were looking pretty good to find out the rest of the game. Go to our website. I'm like, that's crazy. Wow. But but we Yeah, yeah. Sports yeah, sports print does not uh suit where we're at as a society at all. Can I just say uh, let me just say this too about my father? Uh I, I've been thinking about this. I didn't get in trouble for mooning. And uh, and I and I don't know that I would do uh, punish my kids for that. I got in trouble because we switched drivers on the freeway. That's that's why I got ground. He took the car away. Right. I mean, it's it's that's really, Wait, really how they know, how they know you how they know you did that because you? they they figured out that people on the bus figured out that you know there were two there were different two butts hang, butts hanging out. Yeah, your butts yeah. differed that much. Yeah, well, that and uh, and they could see um, that the drivers were different. Is that so, okay? Why why did you get suspended from school though? It was all caught on a ring doorbell camera. We got we got suspended. Which used film and, back and then. I, the suspension wasn't long. It was, but it, it we got we got in trouble with the school because we mooned the bus. I got in trouble at home, not for being a, a, a prankster like that, but for being stupid and switching drivers. It's funny that it's, if we had just if it had just been one moon, I don't think I would have gotten in trouble at home at all. <laughs> it sent you on the straight and narrow. You yeah. never you never mooned again. It's like a bad Tom Petty album, Two Moon Fever. <laughs> no, but then my stepfather moons uh you know right, a, 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 a couple of a, a year later. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like I'm like, oh my God, I just got busted for this and now now there's this war this this uh, war vet mooning, you know, and he cl- he yeah. had to climb over you too, which is just he as did. dangerous as switching he seats. So he, come he on, did. you should have grounded he him. A, yeah, my dad. It's funny they were both in the military, but they cared about different things. While we're going through memory lane, we, we should probably get a bell for Sean uh, sex and car stories, so that we. Uh, <laughs> I we, can't believe there's there's probably more that we just don't know about, so that we warn people <laughs> that that they're coming. You'll love them. But I, I was working on this week's column. And I, um, I was running through an old uh, sentencing memorandum for, um, for Bobby Ferguson, and it talked about 
all the stuff that he had done. And this is when he was convicted after the big Kilpatrick trial. And when, uh, when the prosecutors put together a sentencing memorandum, what they do is they lay out not only why they want to justify their sentence based on what was proven in court, what a jury decided somebody was guilty of, but they can also kind of throw everything in that maybe didn't become a part of the case. So that's where you'll hear somebody say, in addition to all these things that we discussed, discussed in court, they did this, that, and the other thing. And, and defense attorneys often feel like they're piling on and that they're trying to sneak some stuff in that they couldn't prove in court. But it's kind of a everything but the kitchen sink goes into these things. So I was reading this Ferguson sentencing memorandum, and here's my cliffhanger. If you want to know why, read this Sunday's Detroit Free Press. But there was a mention that uh, how Ferguson had such influence in the mayor's office. And this is a passage from the sentencing memorandum. It says, on another occasion, in February 2006, a television investigative journalist was pulled over by officers from Mayor Kilpatrick's Executive Protection Unit. At the time, the journalist was following Ferguson as part of a story describing favorable treatment Ferguson was receiving in Wayne County Jail following conviction for pistol-whipping one of his employees. Toll records around the time of the police stop show calls between Ferguson, Mayor Kilpatrick, and Mayor Kilpatrick's Executive Protection Unit suggesting their coordination in the stop of the reporter. So Bobby had such sway with Kilpatrick that he could say, hey, Quam, it looks like somebody's following me. Can you have your cops, who are only supposed to be protecting the mayor, go and pull him over? Yeah, I didn't know they could even do that. And shake him down. So, And the story that, that, that and I'll tell you who was working on it in a minute, the yeah. story they were working on is that Bobby was doing some time because he had pistol whipped an employee, and he got a fairly light sentence given the gravity of the crime and given his criminal history or his violent history, and he got work release where he could go and run his businesses and stuff. And eventually the work release went from going to work when you had to work to being 20 hours a day that you didn't have to be in the halfway house. And he was going back and he was reporting in that he was drunk. You know, he, they were finding he was drunk when he came back. And so basically he was living his life and then clocking in for four hours at a halfway house. So a reporter was following. They got a tip on this and they were trying to track Bobby's comings and goings to demonstrate that he really wasn't being incarcerated or in fact punished at all. And so, you know, generally you try and be careful when you're surveilling somebody, but sometimes you get spotted. In this case, they did get spotted and Bobby called Kilpatrick to get the flies brushed off of him. So I read this and I was thinking, oh, God, maybe it was Steve Wilson. Because you may remember Oh, he was when all over uh, yeah. Channel 7 in the post-Wilson era was digging into Bob Ficano and they had uh, uh, Ross Jones and some other people had, and maybe Heather Catala was in on it too, had been surveilling Turkia Mullen and Azam Elder, who were the two top <laughs> yeah. aides to, to Ficano and had found them in the front seat of a SUV uh, right after some bad news had come down and they were kind of consoling each other. And when the feds indicted somebody, in their indictment, they wrote, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so were spotted in the front seat of an SUV uh, as depicted by television news reporters. And you could kind of reverse engineer it and figure out what was going on. It was really a, a very telling detail. So in this, I thought, well, it had to be Wilson because he was the king of this kind of stuff. 
And so I, I talked to Steve yesterday and he's, he's in Florida. He had a, a health scare, but he's, he's doing well. And he's still as passionate about, uh, about, uh, being a watchdog as ever. And he said, I don't think that was me, but let me check with Ross. And I, and I thought back and said, well, February, 2006, I had just gone to channel four. It wasn't me following him because I would have remembered being stopped by the cops it wasn't Dietz because if Kevin Dietz had been stopped, we would have talked about that in our office. So I said, well, if Wilson doesn't remember, <laughs> I said, well, let me call Scott Lewis because Lewis was also, yeah. you know, even before Wilson was here, Lewis was following people and catching them doing things they weren't supposed to do. I think everybody's seen those stories of the water department guys asleep in their van and, you know, Lewis knocking on the door and like, hey, what? Those great pipes. Well, what are you doing sleeping in the middle of the day here? Shouldn't you be doing some work for the city of Detroit? And uh, and I called him, and he's in Florida too. And he said, "Yep, that was me. That oh, was me. Really? We 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 had heard about Bobby. We were trying to compile our story, and we got pulled over by the cops. And he said, but I didn't realize it had made it into uh, some federal records. But yeah, they stopped us and asked us what we were doing, and you know, and that was that. And like." So did he ever, I mean, what happened then? Did he finish the story? Why wasn't that part of the story? Could that not have been part of the story? Well, because... because or its own a, story? A lot of the times when these things happen, uh, you don't know about them, you know? And, and I suspect... Uh, yeah, but if he got pulled over by the Executive Protection Unit... Sure. So I don't remember Scott's story, but he may have mentioned that. I, I, I imagine that's how the feds knew about it, because oftentimes... And, and there's a lot of really good federal investigators out there, so don't don't take what I'm about to say wrong. But one of their greatest tips for stuff is what they read in the media, and they yeah. start asking people questions. And when they sit down with somebody, they'll have they'll have like a stack of clips, and they'll show them an article, and they'll have something highlighted, and they'll say, "What do you know about this?" And if you say, "I don't know anything about that," that they turn the page. They go, "What do you know about this?" They, "Oh, I know a little bit about that." Okay, let's talk about that for a while, and. And when uh, when Lewis busted um, busted uh, Lonnie Bates for yeah. sending his his uh, daughter uh, or his girlfriend's daughter to college and paying for it, and then he did something else. He went to he went on a radio show. I think Lonnie went on a radio show and defended himself. And uh, and I can't remember why Scott and his team were out there, but they saw the FBI go in there to get recordings of what Lonnie had said on the radio show because they were going to use that to try and impeach him. It, when that came out, I remember thinking, well, the feds really appreciated Scott's work. So they called him and said, you know, if you have a camera at such and such a place, you may see something interesting. That was always my theory. And then I, I talked to Scott years later when we weren't competitors anymore and he said, no, we just happened to be there. We were wondering what was going to happen. Uh, I think they may have been waiting for Lonnie to come out, and the feds were like right there to get a recording. So oh, wow. sometimes it's just kind of serendipitous. But, um, but yeah, the only way the feds would have known about this EPU thing is from watching the media. And then they would have done their homework and said, well, you know, let's get the phone records. Let's get the, the, the run logs and everything and put it together. So, you know, not... Uh, not really a crime, but just part of the case they were making that the relationship between Ferguson and Kilpatrick and Christine Beatty and other people in the mayor's office was so tight that they could basically use the mayor's personal police protection team 
Unreal. to do his bidding. And uh, when when people when people wonder just how bad things had gotten in the city of Detroit with the corruption and with the perversion of public resources, this is just one of those little stories that drives home that this city was being run like a fiefdom. It was this is the kind of thing that you would expect to happen in a place that isn't a democracy. And it's 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 just you know, I, I know there are lots of people who are like, well, Duggan should be doing 28 years. Uh, why don't you guys bust Duggan? Well, we don't have as many reporters working on it, but we never hear of anything like this. I mean, this is, this is, this is just outrageous. Maybe he's better at covering his tracks. Well, um, Bob Carmack uh, found <laughs> yeah, something. That's true. And, uh, and Bob, by the way, uh, I was talking to... Bob, a couple weeks ago, he's he's supposed to be back in court for a uh, drunk driving case that he caught a collar, and it's kind of an interesting case. He's defending himself without oh, he even having. A he caught a collar. He caught a collar. I like that. I like that. Your, uh, your a little alliteration. Tie, your your skinny tie. That's right. Kind of goes with that <laughs> with that word, you know. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, you'll see the skinny tie. Were you were you an extra in L.A. Confidential? Oh, wouldn't that have been cool? He would have loved to. Yeah. You, you know, the, the best part of LA Confidential is that there really was a guy named Johnny Stompanato. He's a really? real character. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And he was That's dating right. Lana Turner. He was a notorious LA uh, uh, gangster, uh, a muscle guy for, I think, Mickey Cohen. But, uh, but anyway, um, I completely lost my. Oh, Bob Carmack. So, so Carmack's defending himself, I said, in the first day of the trial. And then things, as often happens with Bob, got weird and it got it got hung up. He was supposed to be back in court, but now he's trying to get the case delayed indefinitely because he thinks he may have only a few months to live. So, um, so pretty interesting case there um, from well, someone who uncovered some Sean needs to malfeasance. Sean needs to bid us adieu. His okay. uh, computer's about to die, and he's on deadline. Oh, wait. Hey, yeah, Sean. Um, he forgot to bring his charger. Although that fancy hotel, why don't you call down on the front desk? They probably got one. You think a, you think a courtyard's a fancy hotel? <laughs> <laughs> it looks nice where you are. It looks like a new courtyard. Perhaps one it's, of the... It's uh, not. It's not. One of the truckers or the lot lizards out there can lend you some <laughs> sort of a battery pack. Just show me your butt. Yeah. By the way, by the way, if you do come down to Champagne, anybody, the best deep dish pizza in the whole state is here. It's called Papa Dell's. I'm, I'm going to give them a plug. It's I've been eating it for. 30 Did you get years. for free? No, 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 no. But uh, they make here, here's the kind of pizza place it is. They make their sausage from scratch. Just to oh, put really? it on this deep dish. Is yeah. it Chicago style or is it? Uh, it's Chicago. It's Chicago ugh. style. They have they have gross, but it's. No, it's Chicago style, if you like that. I don't like Are pie. you saying this out of sentimentality? Is there something about it that no, makes it I better? No, I ate it last night, and uh, <laughs> I'm right. I'm going to write about it. But uh, no, it's it's unreal. It's but I, I, hit, so I've it, eaten a lot a of gym. People come to this restaurant from Chicago. <laughs> okay, which is which is funny. So te tease us a little bit. I mean, we'll still say we're going to read your column, but. I've eaten a lot of I'm, Chicago I'm style pizza. Right but now. what what I'm, sets it apart from? From Eduardo, they make their own sausage. Or, uh... It's just it, the, it's the toppings. This, I mean, if you like sausage, for me, it's the sausage. The the dough and the crust is just it's a perfect balance between. I mean, it's got some chewy like you want in a deep dish in the dough, but also crunch on the outside. So flakiness it's not totally there? soggy. 
Yeah, and the so and the sauce is it's just a really simple, fabulous marinara. I just I mean, look, it's all subjective. I get it. Our taste buds are all different, but it's it's shockingly good deep dish pizza in this uh, this little farm town down here. Do you have rosemary would, in the marinara? It's a college it's a college town surrounded by a lot of farmland. It's not a farm town. Are you um are you gonna bring us some back? I wish I could. Why can't you? Oh, uh, I wish I could. If if I brought you anything back, I'd stop at a place called Smoke, spelled with a Q, <laughs> in Chicago. They have incredible Didn't barbecue. Didn't he have to go? No, this is just, you can just say one word to him, and his, his head just fires off a memory. Yeah. Do, no, do, you ask, you ask about bringing something back. I, I, that's what I'd uh, I'd bring you some barbecue. I'm I'll still, make you some barbecue this summer. All right. I'm still right. waiting you to get guys. my green jacket back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Safe travel, Sean. Deep cut. All right, that was fun. All, All right, right thanks, for, thanks for having me. Oh, man, the geeks. Boy of the month, Sean Windsor. Trying to go back to back. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek or we're turning into cool guys? We've talked about it before on this show that there are just some things that you. I don't know. You 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 think you're making a point, and you you invoke some history or some some uh, cataclysmic event to to drive home your point. And it just depending on what you pick, it's never going to work out for you. You know, anytime you're trying to make a point, and you bring Hitler into it. It's just oh, never. Yeah, yeah not going to win with that. Ever going to work? You've lost the argument the minute you start to form the H in your mouth. It's just over. You should stop. Yeah. But people still do it. Well. Bill's coach. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Bill's coach, Sean McDermott, has entered into the pantheon of shit that is just not going to make the point you're trying to make, no matter how apt you think it is. He has been apologizing for the last couple of weeks because a year or so ago he was trying to make a point to his players that we. It was a year ago. Yes, it just. It I just, did not know that part of the story. Oh yeah, story. no, it just it just came out. Oh, it just came out, and and what he was trying to do. Why did it come out? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, that's a good question. Oh no, no, sorry. This this came out at a team meeting four years ago. Four years ago, this happened four years ago. This yeah, is even dumber then. So I don't know uh, how this bubbled up, but he's been apologizing to the public he's been apologizing to the team he had a a second team meeting to apologize um and this was this was uh it, it came up on the substack page of an nfl writer named tyler dunn who cited numerous unnamed sources none of which who must be very happy with mcdermott yeah but apparently during a meeting in training camp in 2019 he was trying to drive home to the team that we need to work together. We need to coordinate together. And the example he used was the 9-11 hijackers because he said the hijackers were a group of people who were able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection, which is, you know, I guess they, they were no, they, they, I gotta they talk. were pretty see, coordinated. No, see, I disagree. I don't think they were because, remember, they didn't complete their objective. Uh, another member didn't even get on any of the planes. So it's not a good analogy regardless of the fact that how many Americans were killed in a terrorist attack. 
and then they did co- not complete their objective. And of course, the the passengers who got to play all four quarters down. Uh, That's what I mean. You're going to McDermott Land now. Don't all four quarters. I don't but yeah, so uh, well, that's, so that's another good point. He could have used the people on United ninety three as working together. Yeah, right? why not? So the, they saved lives by taking that their, exa- their own life. Yes, thank you. Exactly. There's the analogy you want to use. Which I don't even know if I want like that analogy, right? Because well, I, I remember remember Kellen Winslow Jr. talking about being a soldier in the middle of of, of a war too, and it's like eh, not the right time, maybe. Is this I mean, the same guy who was naked on a motorcycle oh yeah, no, yeah. and then and, and later accused of rape and, and everything? Yeah, so yeah. so I, yeah, I guess if he thinks it's a good example, it's probably not. But since his people need to remember sports suspect. is a game and it's not life and death, and maybe that's not the best analogy to use. Well, th- you know, uh, what do we have about a couple months after 9-11 where we're going to stop referring to athletes as warriors and soldiers and this is a battle and that this uh, they're out for glory and now it's a look at those warriors out they yeah. you know how quickly how quickly we forget our resolutions but at any rate uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was 40 years ago 4 years ago yeah somebody dropped a dime on him and now he's he apologized well the other thing may be that the bills are not doing really well this year and so yeah, maybe big, somebody's big, had big this win, in though. their back pocket, and this is my... Uh, I mean, if you ever needed a win. This is my time bomb. Uh, I'll blow send, up McDermott. You should send Tony from Kansas City a thank you note for being offsides. So, oh. so they could get that win. Yeah, yeah. Because my, uh, my brother was asking me about Juwan Howard, and I said, well, you know, the rumors, this and that. I said, as long as he wins, he'll be fine. Because <laughs> that's really all that matters in sports is whether or not you win. I think uh, another head coach at Michigan has proven that this oh. season for sure. Well, he didn't but, do anything wrong either. But, so. Well, he did admit but, what? his own team you know, suspended him for lying and for other stuff. But uh, at any rate, uh, we don't want to we want don't want to delve too deep into the uh, the blue and yellow. But um, but yeah, so Sh- Sean McDermott. Maze. Uh, what yeah. was it? Hmm? it? Huh? I thought it was corn. Amazing. What's going on? It's Sean all, McDermott. It's all, what, it's all corn Sean to me. McDermott? Sean, Sean McDermott, you're our, you're our geek of the week. Since Sean isn't here to show shade on great music or great Americans, we want to tell you about a great American, a fellow named Luke Nowacki, ah, who yes. can help you make your future feel like a great new wave tune, something that at one point you said, I'll never forget this and I'm going to tuck it away so that later on I can take it out and enjoy it and and relax in my golden years. And that's what new wave music is to me. But but I also value the advice of a very smart man who's going to work hard to make sure that I don't blow the many hundreds of dollars I make <laughs> as a podcaster. Well, how many people realize, too, if you're sitting on your hundreds, hundreds of dollars and say it's just in savings and it's not making any money, that you're actually losing money, right? Do people Opportunity cost. Well, every- that and, and, you know, inflation, and if it's the money doesn't grow, you got to make it grow for you, and that's what Luke can help you out with. If you put it in a uh, IRA, but you don't put it in a Roth, I mean, there's sure. all this, there's, you know, the, the reason why there's a, 
401k is not something that somebody came up with because they thought it sounded cool. It's actually something in tax law, and I don't know what it is. I don't know why they picked those numbers or letters. I have no idea, but you know who does? Luke Nowacki. Yeah, so give Luke a uh, call. He's going to find out if you're on target to meet your goals. His phone number is 248-663-4748. It's a free consultation, and then you can come sit down and meet with him and uh, talk money with him. Once again, 248-663-4748. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Bonaic Wells. Sync member FINRASIPC Bonaic Wells. Sync is separately owned, and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent. Bonaic Wells. Sync. So I still want to talk about Whamageddon. Oh, yeah. But, but before we get to Whamageddon, let's play some music that you probably have never heard before, but you wouldn't avoid if you appreciate... A great new wave band fronted by women that didn't last very long, but they made their mark. This is the Cosmopolitans with How to Keep Your Husband Happy. One, firm and graceful body. Two, be at home when you arrive. If you must work, try to arrange it so you're home first. Three, clothes sexy for your evenings at home. Four, be interested in him and the things he does. Shake up, burn up, tone up with Debbie. Shake up, burn up, tone up with Debbie. How to shake your Six, bright smile of a morning coffee. This paints a good mental picture of you for the whole day. Seven, nice voice. Keep it soft and musical, also a pretty laugh. Eight, excess fat. Kaboom! Debbie says jump, Debbie says jump, Debbie says bend, Debbie says bend, Debbie says touch your toe, Debbie says touch your toe. So last week when we played Nervous Rex, Sean said, uh, it sounds a little bit like R.E.M. Um, and I want to come back to that in just a second, but 
When you listen to this, Mark, what band do you think of? B-52s, maybe? Exactly. Yeah. The they, voices. Yeah, and it's just that kind of staccato. Yeah, and, it got a little weird in the middle there. Well, so this album, How to Keep Your Husband Happy, is based on a uh, a video, or it probably wasn't a video back then. It may have been an LP that one of the singer's mothers had from back in the 50s. It was a very popular LP that women would buy and get tips from some advice maven on how to make their husbands happy. And when you listen to the song, it talks about, you know, be interested in what he's saying, ask him about his day, lose weight, clean the house, and all this other crap. And so the Cosmopolitans turned it into basically a parody song because they started off as go-go dancers that would almost be a sideshow at, uh, they all went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, huh. home of Michigan State's new president. And they also they also uh, would hang out at CBGB's in, Detroit's, uh, in Detroit, in New York. So when bands would have shows, they'd kind of be, uh, I guess, like an added, uh, added feature. And then somebody said, well, why don't you guys sing some stuff? So here's the REM tie-in. The guy who used to help them with production and would play some guitar with them is Mitch Easter, who was a big figure in R.E.M.'s career, behind-the-scenes guy. And, uh, of course, R.E.M. was Athens, Georgia, not Chapel Hill, North Carolina. But Mitch Easter, I guess, kind of went up that southern east coast playing new wave music and influencing bands. So he is one of the few male members of the Cosmopolitans. But uh, Sean's not with us, but maybe he was anticipating this week's entry in Room 7609 with the with the R.E.M. Whatever happened to the females of the band? So they kind of went their separate ways, and then some another woman came in to take the place of one of the women, and one of the women got... Uh, got um, um, Did they ever get married? To each other? No. Oh, I oh, you mean so they could see if they really learned about how to yeah. keep their husband? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I want to touch that. But uh, one of them got a, this virus <laughs> and was really sick. It's um, EBV or something. It's uh, Apparently, we all have it. And like 90% of the population has a trace of this in us. And we've all had it, Great. but our body has stopped it. And somehow it's it's huh. cured itself, and we carry this with us. They have no idea how to vaccinate us against us, uh, vaccinate against it, even though they keep researching it. And researchers believe that is one of the triggers for multiple sclerosis, and that it also leads to um, a lot of different cancers. Oh, that's fun. So that's yeah, nice to that's know. Science Tuesday. But this is one of the reasons why the band kind of broke up. She must have had one of the uh, oh, one of the God. manifestations that her body couldn't control. But then they did kind of come back together and do a few shows in the early two thousands. And Mitch Easter came out and played guitar for them. And I think they had a huh. like a uh, compilation or a reunion. Um, reunion album, and they found the video that goes with this song that apparently they had recorded, I'm sure, on some huge Betamax camera. And I think there was also some other videos that they put together that, that they found from an appearance on the Uncle Floyd show, which apparently was one of those kind of underground or maybe cable access shows that, that circulated for 20 years that 
unless you live in a certain part of the country you never heard or saw before. But uh, but yeah, that's the Cosmopolitans with yeah. how to keep your husband happy. A cool song, a little bit of a novelty, but yeah, I mean, and, and th- th- that's the kind of band that unlike well, that's the other thing about the B fifty twos. They kind of a kitschy band, but they've mm-hmm. sustained it and maintained it for fifty years, more than fifty years, I think. You wonder how they did because while this is kind of a fun little tune, I'm not sure I'd want to have ten or twelve cosmopolitan albums. But yeah. having said that, I'll I'll listen to everything the B fifty twos have ever put out. I don't know why one is mm. it's sort of like uh as a Fred. It's sort of like well, yeah, and it <laughs> really? and, and it's sort of like um like they said in Spinal Tap, there's such a fine line between stupid and clever. Maybe this is these guys are on the stupid side of that line, <laughs> and the B-52s are on the on the clever side. Wham again. We get we got to talk about this. I, I wouldn't necessarily say Wham is a new wave band, but there's this movement that started several years ago. Uh, it was started by a couple guys in Europe. Um, I. I, I I'm going to get thrown out of the the EU for this. I can't remember whether the guys who started it were Dutch or Danish. And I imagine... Oh, come on. The fact that you would even care about the difference. It'll be the, fine. Okay, they're Danish. Well, that... I mean, I'm It'll sure if you fair. walk up to somebody in Norway and say, hey, so how are things in Stockholm? They get really... If it's like, this is Norway, that is Sweden. Yeah, but we're not there. Okay. But we'd have a big worldwide audience. I, I want to make sure that anybody listening on the other side of the pond isn't offended. So what do these Dutch or Danish people do? So about 18 years ago, some friends started this uh, this little thing where they all took a pledge to do their best to not listen to Last Christmas whenever it comes <laughs> on the radio. And so they have a Facebook page with more than 16,000 followers, and their website got more than half a million visitors last year and the whole thing is you have to pledge that when the christmas music is inundating us which it has been since easter that you will not listen to last christmas by wham and i am just the wham just the wham version because there's a billion versions of it including uh my nine-year-old told me that uh taylor swift does that song it was playing the other day on on the google machine i was like hey do you like this one you know i asked her about all the christmas songs she's like I don't like this version. I like Taylor's version. I'm like, what? She has a version of this stupid song? I would never stand against Taylor Swift. That's like trying to hold back floodwaters. There's no way. That's If Taylor's doing it, that's fine. I guess. And, and no, she is, can do no wrong, apparently. And it is Whamageddon. It's not Swiftageddon. Or... What about Carly Rae Jepsen? She covered it, too. Oh, did she? Or call me, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I feel very comfortable standing strong against Carly Mae Jepsen. That's uh, and and Miley Cyrus for that matter too. I just don't. And Ariana Grande covered it too. Uh, she's and okay. the cast of Glee. I, I, <laughs> I can't okay. believe how many people have covered this damn song. I, I hate it. I uh, am a big uh, fan of the first couple of seasons of Glee. Although I heard that Mr. Shu got canceled. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I've never seen Glee. Really? No. Okay, so I got two daughters, so I watched a lot of it. It's actually a pretty good show. Well, have you seen the Wham! documentary? Because they cover Last Christmas in the Wham! documentary. Oh, no, no, but you You... told me Andrew Ridgely comes off pretty well. Well, I mean, he produced it, so of course he's going to come off well. But um, that part of the the documentary is really interesting because they did Last Christmas. It was, I think, number one for, God, a, a month or more. And as they're recording it, that's when George Michael gets the call to, hey, can you be on this uh, little charity album, the Do They Know It's Christmas? Ooh. And he's like, God, 
because this was going to be their big Christmas. Oh, right. He didn't want to compete against himself. He didn't want to compete with himself, but he did it anyway. And I believe last Christmas was number one until do they know it's Christmas comes out and it bumped it off. And he's like, I guess it didn't get much airplay until years after that when people brought back last Christmas. Well, talk about a moral dilemma because you've got your song going up uh, against another mega hit. Yeah, charity and one. Mm-hmm. One of them you're getting money from, and the other one you're giving all the money away. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, that's that that's, documentary is actually it's pretty fun. I think you'd like it. That's it's tough. On Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, obviously, there's it's never a bad time to talk about uh, Morrissey when you're in room seven six oh nine. And uh, <laughs> did he ever do a Christmas song? No, about how, how bad it is. But he said that um, "Do They Know It's Christmas" was absolutely tuneless and an awful recording, uh, awful record, considering the massive talent involved. And uh, and this right, is yeah. this is the penultimate put down. He said, "One can have great concern for the people of Ethiopia, but it's another thing to inflict daily torture on the people of England, <laughs> which uh, is about as uh, as sick a burn as you'll." ever get even from the burnmeister himself so if you have a great song for room 7609 please send it to us at mlsolvedetroit at gmail.com also send us your comments uh we did mention uh partly to placate our uh our incumbent employee of the month (laughs) that we would expand room 7609 next year to allow other people to bring in uh well any people to bring in deep cuts that are not necessarily new wave it was a concession i made at the uh at the barrel of a gun and dave writes and did i hear correctly the show will be moving beyond new wave for room 7609 I have some great suggestions of offbeat deep tracks of popular bands. If this is true, I'm bursting at the seams. So, Dave, hold it together a little bit longer. But, yes, please, we want your suggestions for Room 7609. So keep them coming at mlsoldetroit at gmail.com. We also are happy to take your donations. You can go to our website and hit the Donate button. You can donate by PayPal or Venmo. Nobody did this week, but we're hoping that somebody will this week, next week. Or maybe this is a great chance to get in that last donation before the end of the year for your taxes. Of course, it's not tax deductible, but if it makes you feel better to make a big donation before the end of the year, we're happy to help you with that uh, that little bit of burden. Everything's um, deductible until you get audited. Oh, that's true, too. And uh, <laughs> we, will, we will give you a perfectly worthless receipt that you can take in there and have the IRS <laughs> laugh at you unless it turns out they're a fan of the show in which case they will give you a knowing nod, a wink and the Soul of Detroit secret handshake and you will walk out of there with nothing to fear so uh, so yeah, what's to lose um, one piece of feedback this week from Michelle who says, hey guys this sharp kid was a recent guest of yours Alex is pumping out award winning investigative articles, this is Alex Walters, who's a reporter at the State News, he is, has not been a guest of ours. You may be thinking of intern Al, but this kid is knocking out some great stories at the State News. He's also working with me on a student investigative reporting project I have called Ion Michigan. We should have a big story coming out soon. More on that when it's ready to go. And he says, uh, Al, Michelle says, is there a prestigious award when the kid is merely a college student? Yes, there are. Um, and they are, uh, some are given out by the newspaper, some are given out by college journalism associations. But the, the uh, story that Michelle is raving about 
is Alex wrote about a piece in the state news in which a student was told to trust MSU with her report of a rape, but was then disbelieved. So you should definitely check that out. It's one long, well-researched story. It is long. Did you read it? I I started and I'm about, uh, I would say, well, I think I'm 25% of the way through. Yikes. It is long. Well, uh, good for him, man. These are twisted girl. twisted tales, but Alex is a yeah. pretty good reporter. We uh, need more of them. We'll try and get him on the show one of these days. But if you have feedback, please send it to us, too, at mlsolvedetroit at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always post a comment on Twitter, at Elric. You can uh, put something on our Facebook page, which is just ML Elric, no periods. And, you know, feel free to rate us. Uh, share the show, like the show, rate the show. We have over 600 ratings, uh, all... Somewhere near five stars. There's a couple of haters out there that's bringing our average down, but uh, but we appreciate your support. Next week we have a very special guest coming up. I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm I'm so excited about this that I no I, lie. I hate to tease it because if something happens, yeah, and it doesn't happen, you're going to be very disappointed. But I'm going to take a chance anyways. We are scheduled to have Erica Erickson join us on next week's show. She'll be talking to us about her career, what she's been up to since she left Fox 2. And we're going to try and drag her into a little bit of our foolishness and fun. So uh, come back next week for Erica Erickson. And uh, Mark, what's what's coming up on the uh, on the big show? The Drew oh, and wow. Mike podcast. Uh, let's see. We uh, I know we have uh, Sebastian Bach is coming up. Oh, from uh, Skid Row? Yep. And uh, Mr. Skin with his uh, year in review of uh, nudity in film. And uh, (laughs) he's going to be talking about guy nudity, right? What? No. Something for everybody. Didn't didn't you guys say that he uh, evaluated a nude scene involving... a male star in a, a show. Uh, C. Thomas Howell, right? Oh, <laughs> we were Joe. No. Oh, boy. Okay. No, you're. This is uh, how rumors you, get started. You, you misheard there. Oh. Um, C. Thomas Howell, star of Soul Man. Remember Soul Man, who wasn't. And the Outsiders. Yeah, that's right. He was not canceled. And the Hitchhiker, right? The Hitcher, wasn't he? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Okay. The Hitchhiker. You mean the TV series, The Hitchhiker? Was he on uh, that? He might have been the TV series. I think Rutger Howard was in the movie. Very scary. Um,. But you know he did Soul Man in, in blackface. Canceled? <laughs> no, he, well he wasn't canceled because he's in a a new series on Netflix called Oblivion, which is like an action comedy movie where this elite uh, group of U.S. soldiers are trying to save Las Vegas from a nuclear weapon, and uh, they're hammered while they're doing it. Um, well, they're in Vegas, right? That's exactly. Yeah, I, you know the first episode explains why they're hammered, but it also ends with all nude. There's a lot of nudity in the show. So what we were talking about is, yeah, he's nude in there, but there's a lot of other, there's a lot of, fe- there's two females that get nude in the movie or the series as well. Okay. But if you like action and comedy, I, I, I'd recommend it. I think it's a fun watch. Does Mr. Skin do fellas too? Cause he has, uh, he has another website that's called, I think Mr. Man, but he is Mr. Skin. So, okay. Cause I know, uh, a lot of people have talked about Kevin Bacon in, um, in the movie uh, with oh. uh, Denise Richards and Wild uh, Things, Wild Things, yeah, another yeah. fantastic Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon also in The Outsiders, but what a great Matt Dillon! His best movie is still Something About Mary. Oh, with the teeth! Yes. Oh God! The uh, scene, the scene of the golfing range is where he's lying is one of my all-time favorites. Oh yeah, and. You know, the, the, I think the guy who- All I got are these damn Nepalese coins. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy who steals the show for me 
is Tucker, the uh, the fake architect who's really the oh, pizza yeah. delivery man yeah, from with Encino. The, with the accent, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I knew your line when you said you went to Sao Paulo twice. Who goes to Sao Paulo twice? twice. You know? Such a great movie. And that guy, he's that actually- That movie could not be made today. He's an English actor and comedian. He hasn't made that many movies, but he's so funny. That's one of those things where you figure Hollywood's just going to say, where's this guy been all our life? And he's going to take off, but it's just- <laughs> Something about Mary is a monument to uh, I need to watch that to again. Tucker. I've been trying to watch Brewster's Millions again because I love that movie and I would probably haven't seen it in 35 years. Oh, yeah. I heard it's not available anywhere. It. Really? Yeah. So I ended up watching all the clips on YouTube yesterday and I forgot Rick Moranis is in there. <laughs> One of the most ridiculous characters, too. The Mimic. Have you seen Brewster's Millions? Maybe when it was first on cable in the 1980s or something. Yeah, he just plays, because, you know, Rick Moranis is a real short guy. Oh, yeah. And he just repeats everything anybody says. He's a mimic. He's a professional mimic, which isn't a thing. Oh, damn. No, it's so ridiculous. I love that movie, man. Uh, I, Richard you know, Pryor. Not Rick, his best, not not the best Richard Pryor movie. It's still a fun movie. No, Richard Pryor was great and made some terrible movies. Uh, I would have put that on the list, but maybe I should reconsider. What? I don't like Jackie Gleason either, so I may have uh, not in that. some implicit bias. That's the bias. toy. Oh, that's the toy. Yeah. That was also the Richard Pryor, great. right? Yeah. Yeah, another uh-huh. terrible movie. And they, they, what's the one with the kid from the military academy? Is that is that's that the, the toy, right? That's yeah, the he's toy? his toy. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Also could not be made today. No. God, no. <sighs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, that's well, it for it's not our fault. No, it's you know, it's just the world we we inherited. Wait, before we go, I want to I want to see his uh, his filmography because uh, so you're Richard telling, Pryor. Yeah, you're telling me his movies suck, and I think there's no. Movies. Some of them are great, like uh, oh, uh, see no evil, hear no evil. It's fantastic with Gene Wilder. Oh yeah, one's blind, and Silver one's Streak. I never saw Silver Street. And they were both in the prison movie Stir Crazy. Stir that Crazy's was a good movie. Great. Austin Loose is a great movie. That's right. We bad. We bad. See. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he he was also in. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna screw it up again. Um, uh, Bingo Long and the Traveling All Stars and Motor Kings with James Earl Jones and Billy D. Williams and All Star Cast. He was that's a great another one I haven't seen. Oh boy, it's a lot of movie watching. It's based on a short story about a barnstorming black baseball team and and the adventures they get into. Yeah, it's a great great piece of literature and a pretty good movie too. So. So, anyways, I don't know how we got there, okay, but, sorry. but 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 here we are. Brewster's millions at, at the end of our show. Please, uh, if you'd like to donate, uh, please do. If you are interested in talking about about financial advice, talk to Luke and let him know you heard about him from our show. And next week, double E coming yeah. in. Looking forward to it. Um, until then, thanks for listening. And Cyrus, take us. Out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you? Touchdown, hit those line rolls, watch the score on the New Orleans Super Bowl. World champ, silver dome, touchdown, Detroit. Listen to the line roll, listen to the line roll.